Welcome to another iGrow season at APC. We're so glad you've tuned in. Our church is blessed with excellent teachers of the Word of God, and our hope is that you find today's teaching enlightening, motivational, and encouraging. To learn more about our church, visit theapc.org or find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's lesson. But 
All of us are working towards the same goal. We want to hear that our children are walking in truth. Um, we all have different personalities. Every person in this room has a different personality. We all have different life experiences. We all have different ideas, and they all shape how we are approaching this raising of our children. Um, so we're not coming at this study from a place of, I have arrived, that I know what I am doing when it comes to parenting, or that we know more than you, because we certainly do not at all. So this study really is is rooted in things we're learning along the way. Um, so, you know, that being said, it, it, this is, we want this to be a conversational study. So please, you have so much more experience of this than we do. So please chime in any thoughts that you have that you want to throw out. We want to hear them because it takes a village and, and we need our village for sure. Right. And then we have these handouts here. Um, it's basically kind of going through our notes a little bit. Um, so some of it is kind of open-ended, it's up, some of it has some lines that you can just kind of fill in for yourself if you hear something that you like and you're like, oh, I'm going to write that down, feel free to write it down. Um, and then some of it is fill in the blank as we start talking. Um, just some points that, you know, Jess has, Jess is going to say that I thought, oh, let's call that out because I really think that's good. Or just some points that even I saw in my, like, my own biblical study, I was like, oh, let's call that out. And just... It's really just to give you an eye, like an overview of what you could, what you could do and you can use in your own parenting. So this isn't by any means anything we're telling you to do, but it's something that will help you kind of structure your own parenting. Okay. And we, and so going into it, we all have these dreams, right? We want to get married. We want to live our lives a certain way, and that, and live in a certain house. We have this fairy tale. What is it? You know, the Disney shows, the little things that we see outside the fantasy lands that we see, you know, these happily ever afters, yeah. they're not, they're not attained so easily, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, all of it, it looks picture perfect. We want to live in this perfect ideal world. I'm a perfectionist sometimes, so I get that. Um, but then we realize things aren't quite the way we plan them to be, right? Right. And, and then, it, you know, that's with marriage, but especially when children come into our lives, you really start to get to know your partner. At least I did. <laughs> so it's no brainer that every one of us in this room wants what's best for our children, right? We want, um, we want to see our children to grow up. I always say, I want you to grow up to be a great human being, a great godly human being. I keep telling my, my kids that. This is why I want to redirect you. Um, and I see how each of you here at church care for your, your, your loved ones, uh, with tender care and how God has blessed you with, and you know, with, with what God has blessed you with and how each of you strive for that, uh, third John four, as we've been saying, no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I think that's all of our end goal, you know, and as we go into this study, that is the overall umbrella of what we're going for you know each week we that's that's our end goal that's 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 where we want to be so how do we achieve that i don't know but hopefully we can find out together through this study how do we help our children walk in truth those friends are questions we must keep asking god daily through prayer and understanding of the word of god in hopes that the holy ghost can quicken us with bits of biblical truth and responses to the everyday situations we face with love, humility, patience, mercy, and grace. Kind of sounds like fruit of the spirits, right? Yeah. Each of us um, have been given these tiny but different gifts of life that God uniquely molded to have these physical and emotional characteristics of both our husband and our wives. So they're made up of two people, two distinct people. Not only are we discovering our marriages along the way, but we're also inserting our two halves, our two selves, into this one tiny individual. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> when you actually think about it. Um, let's, so let's take this back a little bit. Let's take a big, broad scope out, and let's go back to creation in Genesis, where God creates Adam and Eve. Okay? We see them from the very beginning of human existence. God gives them, and us, gives Adam and Eve and us, free will. You've heard this, right? Yeah. You've heard of free will. 
We see this displayed in Genesis chapter 3, verses 2 to 3, in Eve's response to the serpent. So God gives them, in Genesis 2, at the end of 2, gives them the direction. But we see Eve responding to the direction. Okay? So in it, it says, we, uh, Eve's response says, We may eat of the fruit of the, of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of, of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. There is no indication that God is present during these exchange of this exchange of words with the serpent. But we know God is omnipresent. Right. Omni means he's everywhere. Um, this is free will. This is our free will, our choice. As adults, we know we have liberty to make these decisions or choices. But with every one of those decisions or choices, whichever one you want to you want to uh, place in there, come consequences. Whether they're good choices or bad choices, each decision that you make come with comes with a consequence. Um, so we see it's illustrated that um, Adam and Eve, what they chose, we know what what decision they made, right? And um, we see the consequence brought, brought sin on earth, and today we are born in that sin. But we have the redemptive path out of it through water baptism and the Holy Ghost. So that's the beauty of it, too. Did you know that this is also true for our children? You know our children have free choice, free will? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> they, they make it known. They make it known. They are also born with this free will. I think, you know, for me, uh, sometimes I can forget that, especially coming through the different stages of life where that infant stage, you're trying your best to just not, you know, to, to keep them alive, basically. You know, you're their everything. You're their, you're their whole life. And then you transition, and as they grow older, it gets harder for us as parents to let them go and make mistakes, right? And sometimes we do that because we're, we're fear of being those failing parents, parents that fail at their job, or um, they can embarrass us, or they um, are just being misguided or directed, you know? But God so lovingly does the same for us, right? There, this is where we can use God's own love for us to shape our responses to our children when we discipline our children as well as let them taste that free will. And um, so free will is something we have to learn to handle, and it definitely takes time. Yeah. <laughs> so Proverbs 22, verse 6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The key word in this verse that I want us to focus on is where it says train. Okay, when we look up what train means, the definition of that word is to teach a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over time. Okay, so this was super weighty to me whenever I was a young mother, um, I remember the moment that it really dawned on me that it was my responsibility to make sure that my children were educated, that my children knew scripture, that my children grew to be a great human being, like a, a good human, yes. Like uh, Macy, whenever she entered kindergarten, Macy 16, um, when she entered kindergarten, she was struggling to learn how to read, and I remember the point where it dawned on me, wait a second, I can't just send her to school and she learns everything there. I don't know why. Sometimes I'm super naive with things, and I was oblivious. I really thought you send your kid to school, they learn everything there. You send them to Sunday school, they learn everything there. No way. That is so wrong. And just whenever, like, the reading struggle really opened my eyes to see, wait a second, it's, it's my responsibility. I send them there to get tools, but it's my responsibility to make sure that they learn the skills that they need, um, the, the things that they need. So all training, and I guess through that experience, God really magnified for me that our home is the center for all training. Every bit of it, you know, discipleship, education, all of that. Our home really is our greatest mission field. 
And I know as moms, I'm going to get emotional, so just deal with me if I cry. But I know something that many of us as mothers battle is, like, I just feel inadequate. Like, I'm, I'm just a mom. You know, I can't participate in this or that or the other because I'm just a mom. No, no, you are a mother, and that is your greatest responsibility, and this is our biggest mission field is in our home. And dads, you guys are awesome too. I just know how to speak from a woman's perspective. <laughs> um, because our home is our greatest mission field, there's going to be opposition that's going to come against that. You know, it's going to come in different forms. Sometimes it's going to be dressed up to look like light, but it's really darkness. Um, you know, even in the name of kingdom work, we have to be so careful that we're not being lured away from our children. And I know that's like a fine line that we have to really balance is a big deal. There can come a time whenever we actually are idolizing family and children, and you have to be so careful and making sure that you are bringing your children and keeping them involved whenever you are doing that kingdom work. Uh, I had a conversation with a woman who does not go here, um, but she is she's in her 70s, and she mentioned to me that when her children were younger, she would always go and she would be serving meals and going and visiting with the homeless, and um, she would always leave her children with her husband. And she said, as grown adults, her children have told her openly, we resent you. You never spent any time with us. And where she thought that she was really doing this great work, which she was doing a great work, but how cool would it have been to include them? Because they never got to see that side of their mother. Mm -hmm. So I share that just to say there's this beautiful balance in making sure that we are um, keeping our children engaged. Because remember, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Um, so we're going to battle thoughts of inadequacy. Sometimes we might think, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relegate spiritual training to the church because maybe I don't feel like I have the capability to teach my children what they need to know. Um, that is super easy for us to buy into depending on, you know, how long we've been in church, what all we think we know about God, all of that. <clears throat> but that really discredits that God, he knew what he was doing when he gave our children to us. Right? Jessica is the perfect teacher. Jessica and Phil are the perfect teachers for their children. You are the perfect mm -hmm. teachers for your children. Um, ultimately, we have to do what it takes when it comes to being the spiritual authority in our children's lives because that's a position that no one else can fill. Right? We have other great spiritual leaders in our lives, but as a parent, there's a spiritual authority there. Um, so we need to take time to learn things ourselves if we do battle those thoughts of inadequacy. But, you know, training, when we go back to what the word training means, it's hard work. It's work. <laughs> it takes time, for sure. Um, <laughs> going to the training piece, you know, you talked about that lady that um, she just, didn't want to bring her children, you know, I get that too. I understand like sometimes even for me, it's hard and my children are a little bit older, but it's the constant, they're either nagging me or disrupting my focus or just trying to get me out of my zone when I'm here, maybe doing God's work. But at the same time, I'm flustered because my children are like in the way. Um, but I, I don't know what I was, I think I list, I heard it on a podcast or something, but the only way for our children to know how to do kingdom work is to watch us know, to learn from us and know how to do kingdom work. So um, that really struck me because I I want my children to love people. First and foremost, God loves people. I want my children to never not walk by a person and not smile or look up at them and say hi. I want them to know how to so learn how to socialize in God's kingdom with me. Um, so I feel like sometimes, you know, if you do get stuck that way, I know for me, um, even when it comes to prayer, like I love my prayer time. I love for my children to not mess with me while I'm praying, but they're never going to learn unless they learn from us. And that's, that's, that's just, that, that's just how God built us. So there's beauty in it. There's frustration in it. But at the end of the day, you, we have to keep our minds focused on our mission field and who, who we're really, you know, that stranger that we provided food to may never know my name, but my children will always have my name. You know? So, 
wanted to tag on really quick before sure. we move on. So um, the writer said something to me recently. Just I just like to share. Like, I'm living and I'm learning, right? And so writer smacked me, like took the air straight out of my lungs recently. Um, sometimes we live a busy life, so sometimes we are going somewhere, we are going in, we are coming out, and we are going on to the next thing. So I was taking the girls. We had an errand to run. I needed to go straight up to the store. I knew which aisle I needed to go to, and I needed to get straight back into the car and on to our next thing. And I thought, Ryan, I need you to take Ryder. I'm going to take the girls, and we're going to move on. Ryder, he wanted to come, and I'm like, nobody, not today. He's always asking a thousand questions, and he's going every which way, and I thought, i got to be efficient. And I'm like, no, buddy, I'm just going to take your sister. You can go do something cool with Dad. He looked at me, and he goes, Mom, you just don't want me around. And I I lost it in that moment. I said, no, buddy, you are going with me. I said, yeah, I wanted to be fast, and I am so sorry. Will you forgive me for this? And so I took him. And yes, there was some, some distractions, <laughs> and he asked his questions, but it, it was a reminder to me, wait a second, I need to train him that there's a time for questions, there's a time for wandering, but we need to learn how to do this right, because we have things that we do have to get done. Right. So. Right. We could go on and on. Yes. Trust me. Then we are not perfect over yes. here. <laughs> but, um, so a key to understanding the gift of free will, so going back to free will, is learning to identify, and I have that on your handout, learning to identify temptation. Um, as a parent, we get ample opportunity every day, every hour sometimes, to help them practice identifying temptation and learning how to handle their free will. And it's a lot of redirecting, right? It's a, it's a, it's a constant. Even, I mean, I can remember when they were so young, like, she, uh, your little baby, Everly, she's like, she doesn't know a thing, but you constantly have to be like, shh, no, not right now, you know, and it, and it just, it gets, it gets better, but it's different. <laughs> it's a lot different um, the older they get, but it just, you know, many of these opportunities, they land in a, in a place, they land on us in a place of discipline, which is where we're, we're going to focus uh, the rest of our conversation today and in, in, in uh, how to, what in ways that we have identified um, how the Bible has instructed us to discipline our children. Um, this is a question for the group. And again, we're going to open dialogue. This isn't going to be a lecture. We don't want to lecture you. We, we are not teachers of, Bible, of, of biblical parenting. <laughs> Lord knows I do not carry that title. Um, but I have a question. What comes to mind when we say the word discipline? <laughs> no, that's not. The rod? Spare the rod. Yes. yes. Redirection. The evil look. The evil look. I like that. Redirection. The rod. It comes yes. to mind too. And what did you say? The people look? The evil look. Oh, the evil look? The well, people look too. But the evil yes. look? Yes. Biblically, a spare rod spoiled a child. Yeah. Yeah. So then let me, let me prompt you a step further. In your in your mind, does it cause a positive or a negative reaction? I would say I would say negative with the spoil of the rod. Alright, stir the rod here. What'd you say? I would say positive. Raise your hand if it's positive in your mind. The word discipline. Raise your hand if you think it's a positive. I'm one of the few. <laughs> I will tell you, when I was a kid and my dad was disciplining me, that was negative. negative. It was negative. <laughs> anything to do with that. Yeah. Yes. And my kids yeah. would say the same thing. But being an adult now, yeah. you learn that it wasn't a negative or positive. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. You can still keep it as a what, negative. What is the rock? It just depends. See, that's where we have it. Yeah. yeah. And, yes. and that's okay. Through generation and generation, I'm 60 years old, so the rock was the belt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, or smacking them out. And, and yep. you're, you're you absolutely right. You said the right thing, and mom was driving, and you got it. That's it. That's all. And yeah. you shut yeah. off. Yeah. Or you cry. Right. One or the other. But the fact of the matter is, now, if I take this from you, I have, this is the rod. This is the rod now. Yeah. I take the electronic from you. I take the game. I take the computer. Whatever the case may be. Yes. And you listen to me. They'd rather, get, they'd rather, they'd rather me hit you than to take that. Yeah. Yes. 
believe it or not, mm-hmm. nowadays, uh, hit me, whoop me, but don't take my life. Don't take my lifeline to the world. Yeah. So I got something real quick. And it's, it's going to sound silly to most probably everybody in here. But uh, obviously, I've got teenagers, mm-hmm. and they're both girls out of the house, or out of my house. And uh, it wasn't until probably about a month ago, in which some of you guys might know, I have goats. And it wasn't until dealing with my goats is when a lot of things, a lot of the parenting things really started clicking and understanding because goats are uh, real soft animals. Like you can really hurt one and break one really, really bad if you do it wrong. And encouraging them into basically like the, the simple submission and then understanding that you're there to love on them or whatever. I mean, doing that, I mean, with my kids being teenagers, I mean, it really sucks learning that now, but I mean, that translates into like just raising little kids in general because, I mean, they're easily broken and you don't understand how much damage you're doing by like reprimanding them. I'm not going to say discipline, but even just reprimanding them in too harsh of a manner and not coming back with such love and understanding and whatnot, so. Yeah, I like that you shared that, because it's a really good segue into, I'm going to let Jessica kind of guide us into what her findings were with the with, with discipline, ship, and uh, what the Bible has to say. Absolutely. So, discipleship and discipline, they both come from the same, same Latin word, meaning student. Anybody else think that's really cool? I think it's like I should have made that connection a long time ago. Right. But I didn't. Ooh. Um, You know, we will easily accept the idea of spiritual disciplines. You know, we got to wrap our head around those things. You know, we're being taught to follow and we're being taught to practice those spiritual disciplines. But discipline of a child suddenly can have this awful connotation like, I just don't want to do it. And we just want to back away from it. Um, but to discipline right, we have to approach it from the place with having a right heart. Okay, so remember, we, we're handling their heart, we're shaping it, we're cultivating it in a way where the Word of God can actually come into their heart and it can be planted and, and rooted. And in my mind, every time I hear the parable of the soils, my mind goes, you got to need my kid to be good ground. Help me treat them in a way that their soul becomes good ground so that I'm not a hindrance to the, your word coming into them um, and bearing the fruit that he desires. Our goal is training and redemption when it comes to discipline. Okay, So think training and redemption when I'm disciplining them. The goal is not to punish them, but to instill a value in them. Okay, I'm not, I, I punish my children. Okay, that, that is not the goal though, right? The goal is to actually instill a value in them. Um, James chapter 1, verse 20, this is an anthem in my life. It says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I will be very vulnerable. I am very quick to snap at my kids and I can yell at them if, I, if I'm in my flesh. I can come at them. Fast. I heard this verse on the radio one day, and it was a segment about family, and it just struck me. God was talking to me through the voice of this man whenever he was saying, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I realized, when I am angry with my children and I am reacting in my flesh, I'm not, there's no righteousness of God that's going to be produced in that moment. Right. So that that is just a really heavy verse that, um, we got to keep in mind, or Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, Be angry and sin not. Anger, there is righteous anger, right? <laughs> anger, I live in a home where there, I have two children that there's some anger there, but that anger is a gift, a gift that has to be harnessed. And that same thing is with us. Be angry and sin not. There is a right way to handle our anger, especially whenever it comes to our children. Or Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, do not provoke your children to wrath, but training and admonition. You know, how many times have we been guilty and we have provoked them? 
we have provoked them to wrath because, man, we are mad and we are just like in a, we're just going at it, yeah. right? But it says, do not provoke them to wrath, but training and admonition. None of us are perfect. No, I know. I already told you, I'm a work in progress. You know, you say these things, but honestly speaking, those are some of the hardest things to do. 100%. Yes. Than you could ever imagine being a parent. Yes. Yes. Just like you spoke on earlier how you were talking about you women, and you said, well, men, well, men make the mistake, too. We go work, and we think that working and supplying food and money and a house and a roof over our kids' head is enough, but it's not. You're far from it. You're missing the goal. And I didn't know I was missing the goal. It's a partnership. I didn't miss the goal. I didn't know I was missing the goal until I realized that my father missed the goal. But I followed exactly in his footsteps because that's what he taught me. Yeah. He taught me that financing my family and making sure they got gym shoes and jeans and hats and gloves and coats and food and a roof over their head was more important than me saying, come here, buddy, you know I love you. Mm. When you see that yeah. at 50 years old and your kids are grown, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts more than making that mistake now. Yeah. Making the mistakes now because at 60 it's hard to come back from. So I have an 80-year-old dad just at home that sometimes I resent because you didn't show me that love. Yeah. But you love me in a different way. But it took God recently to show me that he loved me in a different way. He loved me through providing, but then again, that's what men did back then. He, he loved you the point that he knew what he did. He knew. And, yes. And then I loved my kids to the point where I was taught. Yeah. But then you have to break the cycle. Amen. Yes. yes. You have Amen. to break the cycle. So that's that's so what you're saying makes a lot of sense, but a lot of people don't realize that they'd be making the mistakes and they don't realize they're making the mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so hard. You have to be intentional. Absolutely intentional. Absolutely. About everything that you do. Every decision you make. Like even even the whole because dad said so, because I said so. Like literally like, that's not I mean you got you have to be intentional about everything that you're doing, every hour that you're spending. If you're sitting there out there trying to work, I mean, your kids are gonna see you gone all the time. Yeah. My dad was gone all the time. I was kinda of gone all the time. And that's what they think this was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You have to be intentional about every hour that you spend and what you're doing. Right. And what you're saying and what you're showing them. Yeah. If you're showing them that you're you go you go to church just on Sundays and Wednesdays and you're not showing them that you're you're reading the Bible, you're doing what you're supposed to, you're being a kind person to your neighbors and, and all that, they're not gonna be that type of type of person when they get older. So absolutely very well, and, and we need moments like this where we can talk, we can process things, we need your voice to be able to share with us what you have learned, you know, because we're all trying to figure this out. Um, And we need to, whenever it comes to disciplining our kids, we have to understand that they are all vastly different. What works for my oldest does not work for my youngest, or my second, or my third. I have to (laughs) approach them all differently. Makes it harder. It does, but we have to make sure that we are showing unconditional love towards them, whether we approve of their behavior or not. You know, and we also have to keep in mind there's this big mentality right now, this parenting approach is like being their friend. We are not their friend. We are not their friend at all. When we choose to really approach parenting as a friendship, we are giving up that spiritual authority that God has given to us. And when we cave in our discipline, we get less respect from them. And, and, and our mind will tell us not, but it's true. And our job is really to teach them boundaries. Yeah, so let's, 
This has been a really good conversation. I love it. I love it. And I could keep on talking. Um, we did, there were some points that I wanted to really bring out um, when it comes to disciplining our children. Um, and we felt that, I think we, we brought out four. Hopefully we get through all of them. But we felt that these four were the, were the big points that we wanted to hit on that everyone can kind of relate to. Um, the first one that we, we, is on your page is disobedience. That's a big one in all of our households, I'm assuming. If you don't have a disobedient <laughs> child, please tell me what you're doing. They don't have kids. Oh, gosh. So, in disobedience, um, we're, you know, they're trying to manage free will and the opportunities that we get to teach them grace and apologizing when, when we are wrong. You know, so that's kind of where we're coming at it from, from that point of view. So when we go back to the Word and we kind of follow out what disobedience is, um, God gives us commandments and exhortations in His Word for our good, right? Yes. Back in the back in um, when at the law, the point, the dispensation of the law, which we live under grace. Thank the Lord. Thank you, yes. Jesus. You birthed me during <laughs> grace. But in the law, the dispensation of the law, they had to be obedient to those laws. If they didn't, they could have died. Something would have happened. I mean, they were like little babies. They probably didn't know that a plum was a good thing and a plum and and maybe a poisonous plum was a bad thing. Right. I mean, I'm just I'm making right. light of it, but. They just didn't know. So God had to give them those commandments. And now we know, but we still have the same commandments to follow in, in a different fashion, obviously. But um, as moms and dads, we need to keep in mind that our kids need wise boundaries. Not just boundaries. Boundaries, because I said so, doesn't work, like you said. Wise boundaries. Um, structure and guidelines from us. God wants us to obey because obedience gives birth to blessings right? When we obey, how many of us, when we obey the word of God out in the sanctuary and he tells us to run laps and you run a lap and then something happens the week later? Yes. You ever had that? Yes. Yeah. That's because you stepped out of faith. So the same is with your children. When they step out of faith in obedience to you, that's a blessing. Mm -hmm. And we need to kind of redirect our negative for me, the negative connotation on, on discipline and disobedience and give birth to those blessings. And a few of us get it right the first time. I'll tell you, I never get it right the first time. And that's especially true for kids and kids who haven't matured uh, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. So the younger the kid is, obviously, the more it'll take them to be, to redirect to disobedience, like redirect that disobedience. But as they get older, they start to see Maybe it is worthwhile to obey, to obey my parents. Um, Proverbs twenty two twenty eight says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. As, as parents, we set boundaries, right? When disobedience leads them to push them or try to move them, we have to hold firm. That boundary can't go anywhere. We have to redirect. And as much as it pains me to see my children cry, and it pains me to see, or, or my ears are bleeding from their whines and complaints because they want to push that boundary, I have to stay firm. And not just me, but my spouse too. Yeah. And sometimes it's one of those situations where my spouse may not be on the same page as I am, so I've got to give them the look like, we're going to have to table this and come back to this <laughs> in front of our children. And it is what it is, and that's okay. Because they need to see us work out our, dis our, our own disagreements and come back and redirect and say, hey, mom and dad, we didn't have it right, but this is where we're at. Right. This is where we're at today. Okay? And moving forward. I feel like that's really important mm -hmm. to let our kids see that we're not perfect and we're not trying to be perfect to show them that it's okay to be human because otherwise when they grow up and they have children and they don't <laughs> have it right, they're going to know that that's not normal or that that is normal right. and they're not going to worry that mistakes happen. Yeah. It's the same with mistakes and you can admit your faults and mistakes to them and they are the, they're so, so unconditional into love and they'll be like, it's okay mom, it's okay or something, now they say, we know mom you're not perfect. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you know, but you know, there is a limit at some point. Right. But obedient acts are blessings disguised as boundaries. 
So when we coach our sons and daughters to be obedient kids with patience and grace, we demonstrate the truth that his commandments are not burdensome. When our children disobey us, we have an immediate opportunity to model obedience ourselves by being slow to anger, long-suffering, and gracious. And I speak to myself every single time I read those words. Every single time. Those, and, and we just have to redirect our minds to understand that these are the blessings that we get from the Lord. Every time they mess, every time they have that mistake of, of maybe maybe you told them to do something, and I know for that's a key thing for Layla. She is so spacey and should, and we'll tell we'll tell you that. And she's like, Mom, I just wasn't thinking. And I said, Yeah, but you disobeyed. You know, you have to you have to be. Um, you know, God, God. You know, God, we can't be spacey to God. If He tells, if He commands us to do something, we need to do it. And for her. I'm trying to work that into our conversations, like what disobedience looks like when I say, hey, that's disobedient. That, tr- that word, I use that word now. I don't say, you're in trouble. I say, no, you are disobedient right now. Yep. And we have identified what disobedience is, and that to her is a trigger. Okay, I know what my mom is talking about, or mom and dad are talking about. Time to redirect my behavior. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the, uh, let's, uh, shoo, shoo, I lost my place. Okay, so let's be the first to receive the promised bounty of, of blessing by obedience as we correct our children with truth and love. So once we start seeing that path, that, that pattern form in our children, we're going to start seeing blessings from that. And then we can say, oh my word, you know what you did there, Je- uh, Layla, I'm just calling Jessica, you know what you did there, Layla? That was obedience. Why don't we go and hop in the car? Or why don't you go grab some candy from the candy drawer? Or, you know, whatever. To, like, I'm using, like, scenarios in my... And I'm sure as they grow older, it'll change. But you want to, to redirect those patterns, and you want the good patterns, right? And so you want those to stay, and uh, they'll remember that far more than they remember when you reprimand them. Um, First John, a few words that go with this, or a few verses that go with this is First John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, and that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Psalm 16, 6. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly inheritance. I will bless the Lord who have given me counsel, my reins also. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So just remember, again, going back to train means to teach a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. So this is us training them. We're training them. And a thought to keep in mind as we work through obedience and discipline, um, we preach that grace is unconditional. But do we parent like it? So I, in your sheet, I put some thoughts to consider. And this is more your takeaway. This is, this is more... For you to think through in your home to study this week, um, what do you think are some of the reasons your child disobeys you? How can you reach the root issue and speak to their heart in light of the understanding so that you can coach them towards the blessing of obedience? And then going back to 1 John 5, 3, God tells us that his commandments are not burdensome. Obedience, especially our, our own right uh, responses toward disobedient kids. Uh, can feel very challenging when we are stuck in a pattern. When needs to, what needs to change in your thinking for you to understand that responding with the fruit of the Spirit is not a burden, but instead a blessing that leads to freedom and joy. So that's dis- disobedience. You want to take the next one? Yeah. All right, so next we wanted to talk about disrespect. Anybody have any disrespectful children? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, disrespect is a big red flag. Um, It's a warning that our kids are either, one, immature and in need of coaching from us about how they are to speak and behave, or two, sinfully displaying a deeper root issue that requires our prayerful and loving correction. Um, Our children's sin is rarely personal. Okay, so when, yeah. Let that simmer for a little bit. Instead, it's really a signal for growth potential. 
and it's hard to get that perspective shift, but it, it's real, it really is. And working through disrespect is an opportunity for us to consider our own spirit of humility. Um, the feeling of being undervalued or maybe mis mistreated by our kids is not fun. Being disrespected by them is not a pleasant thing at all. Um, but the more we begin to see disrespect as an opportunity to really do that training, our, our portion of parents, and less as this personal assault that they're taking out on us, the more we're going to start to mirror Jesus in his example of humility. Okay? Um, disrespectful actions at, for any of us can really trigger different effects. You know, we can try to turn reflective instead of reactive. Right, and going into this holy pause, which in, for me, that, that's mental training. Like, I gotta really teach myself to breathe and pray before I lash out. Um, disrespect, for me, is, is a trigger because before, so I didn't start living for Jesus until I was 19, 20. Um, prior to that, I was very disrespectful. And so when I see that in my children, it is a trigger for me. Like, I wanna nip it, and I wanna, I feel like, like a, a lioness ready to pounce, and I'm going to destroy that. So in our home, we don't mess around with disrespect. You know, I have a little boy. He's only eight, but he's already trying to prove that he is a man. And, you know, he, he is the man, and he wants everybody to know. So we gotta, we got to teach him, okay, buddy, you are the man. However, we've got to learn how to treat others with respect, and other people have good ideas, and they're valuable, you know, and, and training that um, with him and helping him to be open to what others think and believe and all of those things. With my girls, we approach disrespect. Uh, this is an opportunity for us one day. They're going to probably have a husband, and if, even if they don't, they need to be respectful to men. You know, and that is just, the, I view our home as this is a training opportunity. I didn't learn how to respect until I told you, 19 or 20 years old. And that, that was a hard thing. So we look at it as a way to let's figure out what respect looks like in our home. Why does a man need respect? The Bible is very clear that you are to respect a man. A man is to love his wife, you know. Um, Respect is a form of love. We want others to be respectful of us, whether we're a man or a woman. Um, and we've got to learn and teach our children how to extend it to others. So we outline why the behavior is disrespectful. We have got to really teach our children, why is this? They want to know the why. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell them, explain them what's happening. Um, you know, if someone gets cut off talking, we talk about how everyone gets a chance to be heard. Everyone deserves to be heard. Um, if someone disagrees with an idea, we, we talk about, we're going to be encountering this our entire life. So let's get this figured out here, and we'll be leaps and bounds ahead of, of everyone else when it comes to this in the world. Um, we learn that we, we need to drill into our children that varying opinions are a blessing. It's not a curse that someone disrespect or disagrees with us. Mm -hmm. It's not an opportunity for disrespect. Um, we are small-minded when we refuse to hear someone else. Okay. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of, a cross, of the cross. Um, Proverbs 11 and 22 says, As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion. This is not a pretty verse. <laughs> At all. <laughs> At all. We need that discretion. We need to teach our children how to have discretion. Um, or Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There's a promise there. We need to teach our children what it means to honor their father and mother. So that really, and then we also have those thoughts to consider on, on our handout. Um, I'm going to let you read those on your own, and then we're going to go on to strong-willed children. Anybody got a strong-willed child? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about it. 
So this one was it was interesting to pull out because um, again, going back to the same word as discipline, what do you think of when you hear the word a strong-willed child? Do you think it's a positive or a negative thing? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I thought it was a negative. I, I have always viewed a strong-willed child as a negative thing. Um, I was, but you know what's so funny? I'm a strong-willed child. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I need to redirect my thoughts here. <laughs> but sometimes, so with strong-willed children, sometimes it may feel like things will never change, right? And that the constant battles they can wear they can wear you out and you will have some awful days, right? No doubt. Yeah, but but we must press on. You know why? Because they are our blessings, and we have got to do what the Lord is telling us to do. Thank but thank you, Jesus, that I have found you in your cross and your redemptiveness and your grace. So press on in doing good. Press on in good parenting and press on one foot in front of the other. Press on in cultivating them and exhibiting the fruit of God's spirit in your heart, even when you're exhausted by the lack of their fruit, right? Because that's that's them. They lack fruit. And I, I am 100%. I, fruit of the spirit, I have to say them literally every day to myself because I will lack them for them. Um, when we believe that God has promised good and not evil for our children— when we believe that he has plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans for a hope and a future, and when we believe that he will bring to completion all he has begun, we can press on in faith. So you're probably wondering, okay, you're telling me that I need to keep going, but what, what exactly do I need to know about strong children? Let me tell you. In Philippians 1.6, um, it promises that God is continuing the good work that he started in the lives of our children, right? And you're like, you're looking at your, for me, I'm looking at my six-year-old, and I'm like, how in the world are you going to be shaped as a good human being? I have no idea. Um, but let me tell you, God made our children strong-willed so that once they put our faith, our faith, the faith that we believe, in him and submit to his will, they will not be detoured. That's why. And I think of that, and I'm like, Lord, I love you so much, and I don't ever... I pray that I never walk from your path, but uh, help me to put the same love of God, love your love, in this little one. And those iron wheels will not fail. So if we can somehow harness that beautiful talent that they have, that gift that they have of strong will for his good, then, you know, we can, we, we can see it kind of in a better light, right? Um, strong-willed children were designed, can I tell you what they were designed to do? To cling tenaciously to the strongest will of all, the will of God. So God designed them for a reason that way, right? Um, unattended, a strong-willed child could grow up to be unruly, aggressive, argumentative, um, with that personality that no one wants to be around. That's hard to take in because I can be that way, and I, I can totally relate to that. They could lose they could they could lose their friends, right? Their jobs and possibly their marriages because they rule like a steam engine over everyone and everything in their path. However, with the consistent and long-suffering care of a mom and a dad, these strong little kids can grow up to be world changers. They can, and it may and it causes a lot more work on us. I get it. I get it. So the more we believe that God has been purposeful in, the, in their design and is still at work in their lives, the more we're able to join Him, fighting for our children rather than against Him. So often we see parents of strong-willed girls and boys engage in an ungodly battle, ripping their kids down with constant negative correction and punishments. And I can tell you firsthand that does not work because that lets them go the opposite direction, right? I did it. <laughs> but the strong-willed person is rarely transformed by such hard uh, punitive treatment. The strong-willed man, woman, boy, girl needs to know that you're on their team and not against them. This goes right along with our training definition again. Back to it. It takes time and repeated, repeated twice, sometimes three times, exponentially in a day practice. <laughs> 
Their strong-willed nature may not feel like a blessing, but it is. And we get to help them funnel it all for the glory of God. This is a constant redirect that needs to happen. Help the child get to the root of their behavior. Help them. Because they're not, they're not, they don't understand what they're feeling. They, their emotions are high. When you're not in an angry state, ask your child why, why you were insistent. You know? well, ask them why they, they, they're doing what they're doing. Like, um, Jess probably has better conversation on this point because I think these were her notes. But yeah, I'm like, <laughs> wait, I don't think I wrote that. <laughs> Go on. I've got, so I have a strong-willed child. Mm-hmm. You can, I'll leave it to you now to figure out which. Um, and what we have found after lots of prayer and me, like, I'm going to lose it and I don't know what I'm doing, is just they, there are so many strong emotions there. So many strong emotions. And they have no idea how to harness them. And so these emotions, God has just spoken to me so much. They are not a curse at all. There is so much of a God-given blessing that way, and we don't want to make a strong-willed child that is emotional. We don't want them to feel like their emotions are a curse at all. Um, They are going to be used for God's glory. We have to help them harness them Um, and identify when and how to use these emotions. You know, we we have learned in our home our strong-willed child needs a lot of breaks. Um, We can quickly identify when they're at a point of being maxed out, and at that point, we call a timeout. Mm -hmm. And they go to their room, the conversation at that point is just done. And we take a break, and every crazy time, I promise you, they will circle back and they have this willingness to talk about things after their emotions have settled a little bit. Um, There is a root, there's a leader at the root of a strong-willed child, um, and, and we have an opportunity as parents to, while they're in our home, to teach them how to use that gift with compassion and teach them to how to have a willingness to listen. Um, their strong-willed nature at the root, every time we battle, we find that, that they feel unheard. A strong-willed child has to know that they have been heard. We don't, we don't have to buy into everything they're saying, but they need an opportunity to be heard. Um, They don't feel that their opinion has been validated because they don't feel that they have been heard. Um, And and we are, uh, they are often missing the why Mm -hmm. behind an action and need help seeing, or maybe completely unrelated is how, they need help seeing how to go about, they don't, maybe don't know how to go about getting started with what we are asking them to do. So it's really taking time, teaching them, and training them, and watching what are their triggers with this strong will. Um, just a couple of verses. Actually, do we want to try to go through lying and deceit? We have a couple minutes. Yeah, so the verses that kind of are applicable to, uh, that we found for um, strong will children are on your handout. So feel free to read through those. And also there's a thought to consider on uh, if you have that type of child in your home. You want to finish it out? Yeah, um, or do you want? I'm good. Okay, so real quick, the last thing, do you guys have a couple minutes or anybody need to jet out? Nope. Okay, the last point we wanted to talk about was lying and deceit. Okay, it's happening in all of our homes. Um, so there's no doubt that we have to take lying seriously. Um, the key here is that as moms and dads, we have to ensure that our kids learn to trust us to be able to hear the truth, okay, to tell us the truth. Only when we create a safe environment for honesty can we help our kids become truth tellers. From experience, all of us, angry lectures, they don't do the trick. Now, lying is the fruit of a fear-filled root. We are afraid of consequences, we are afraid of failure, and we are afraid of hurting someone else's feelings. So we fib, we tell little like white lies, and so do our kids. Um, none of us have, have ever sat our kids down to, t- we've never taught them to lie. They just know this. Um, I watched this with Ryder, I told them the other day, go put your Lego downstairs. I stepped on it a thousand times. Go take it to the basement. Little stinker, I watched him walk by our table, he threw that Lego underneath the table, and I looked at him and I said, 
buddy, pick up the Lego. Go take it down to the basement. He looked at me. I don't know what you're talking about, Mom. I said, buddy, I watched you do it. No, Mom. I never taught him to do that. He just knew, right? So um, we have this thing that we've got to deal with. It's this, uh, it naturally comes from our fallen nature, right? Trace it back to Adam and Eve. Um, so I want you to explain this cool little parable idea that yeah, you found. Absolutely. So um, I had heard this practical activity. You can take it or lose it. Um, but it, it really was kind of interesting because my kids, they love to read books and they love to be told stories and stuff like that. So, and Jesus taught in parables. So I thought, you know, when it was explained to me, I was like, this is such a neat idea. So, um, one way that we could kind of help redirect lying or deceit is by creating our own spin of parables. You can also, like, we try to do parables from the Bible, like, we're not... You know, we'll, we'll be biblical too, but at the same time, um, for our own children, either, you know, you, you decide which time is best for your children, but for us, it could be a meal or bedtime. Um, you could tell a heroic, a heroic story um, where your children is the center, the center of the conflict or whatever you're trying to display. Um, watch as they infer very quickly that they are the stars of the show. My kids love to be the center of attention, and if you put a song or a story and they, their names are in it, they're all for it. Um, if lying is the problem in the house, the story is short, but an epic tale about how a liar's untruths lead to a disaster, but the honest hero's integrity wins the day. Every story in some variation is some variation of promoting the quality we want our kids to live out in their own lives, inspiring their imaginations to be, you know, to view themselves as truth tellers. Um, sacrificial servants or courageous young men or women willing to do what is right and good and true. So this approach can be effective for the little ones or it, and then if you start little you can probably somehow integrate it in a teenage world where you can use it in that in that light. Um, it's it's adjustable and appropriate for every age and perhaps a parable or two maybe all your child needs to steer them in the right direction where they can relate themselves to the story and see, oh, this is this is the way we need to act, instead of trying to, sometimes I can get caught up in, in talking adult words or adult language to my children, like, mm -hmm. you know, where I haven't dumbified it enough for them, and they're like, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me, Mom. Okay, good point. So, I don't know, this concept, I had heard, heard it on a podcast, and I thought it was really interesting, and I wanted to share it. I like that, I like that. Um, some of the ways that we approach it is we explain to our kids lying is really a lack of love. Being truthful is love. Mm -hmm. We let them know sometimes we have to tell people things that they don't want to hear, mm -hmm. and that's okay. okay? Um, we have a couple of perfectionists in our home, and I, I'm not going to, I'm also a perfectionist, right? <laughs> so I can identify with this completely. Um, when you're a perfectionist, you are always striving to do right, and it can be hard to admit when you have not done right. Um, so sometimes we find that they're, they're covering up some of their, their lack of perfection through a lie. And so we, we drill them, <laughs> for lack of a better word, to let them know you are not perfect. You will never be perfect. You are an imperfect person in need of a perfect savior. And so just letting them know it, it's okay. You don't have to lie to cover these things. We're to confess our imperfections. Um, so whether it's a decision we've made or the behavior we're trying to hide, lying is never okay, and we need our kids to know that. Um, lying is always caught. Our kids need to know lying is always caught, even if it's years down the road. It always comes out, and the truth always wins. So we get the opportunity to teach our kids that truth always wins. It's a picture of the gospel in our homes every day. Um, we also let them know that it's better for them to confess right away versus lying to cover. And whenever we identify that, hey, Ryan and I will identify, hey, there's something sketchy going on. And we'll come to them and we're like, hey, what happened here? Like, if you want to tell us the truth now, there would be a little bit of a consequence. But if you want to lie about it, and we find out about it, it's going to be a bigger consequence. You know, and we give them that permission right there. And so many times we'll see, all right, Mom, I did this. Mm -hmm. All right, Dad, 
I didn't do what you asked me to do. You know, so it's just giving them a little bit of a permission to, hey, we're all human and it's okay. Um, but again, that's, that's, those are some of the things that we have taught or we find helpful in our home. Um, we've got a few verses. Um, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. But he, perverteth his way, he that perverteth his way, his ways shall be known. Right? We want to walk with surety. We want to walk with surety. We want to teach our kids that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you wrap us up. Yeah. So, um, again, in the handout, you have some thoughts to consider on this concept of uh, lying and deceit and what you heard. And just some some really just ways to kind of get you to think um, a little differently. Maybe see it from a different stance uh, or viewpoint. Um, but, again, we just wanted you to take... A, wanted you to take something for the week to just dissect what you hear, think through what you've, what you've seen, what in your own life, you know, you've talked a lot about generations and stuff like that, and I see that in mine, and I can relate to that. And each of you have your own story and your own unique walk and path with God, um, and he shows you ways. And, I, you know, again, we don't, we don't have all the answers. Uh, we have experiences. <laughs> and we have the word. So um, let's help equip our children by preparing ourselves ahead of discipline with godly responses um, that can help nurture our children in their, what, the verse that we've been talking about this whole day, or this whole night, is to walk in truth. Um, and we want to be the parents that at the end of the day, we, uh, Psalms 127, where it says, For behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So we want to launch these arrows out into the world. We want them to be great, godly uh, human beings. Ones that you, you can be godly proud of and hopefully won't stray away from his path. And we'll close out in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for just guiding this discussion today and giving us your word and your wisdom and then the situations that you've placed on our hearts to discuss, Lord. Thank you that you're, you've been so good. And even even back in the garden, God, you held some grace there. And that now we live in a, in a, in a, in a dispensation of grace where we can, we can come back and, and, and see and be redirected into, into your good path, Lord. Thank you for each and every one of these these people that showed up today. I pray blessings over their family, over their children, Lord, over those that are coming, God, over the things that are in flight, the miracles in flight, Lord. I pray that you continue to help us walk through um, through your righteousness, walk through your grace, walk through your mercy, and to display that and be the example, the same example for our children. In Jesus' name.